All right, welcome to Now This Is Podcasting. I'm your host, Connor, and I have my co-host, Jaden, and former guest, Calvin. Throw me back. <laughs> right, that's great. And we are talking about Sicario, which is another film in our auteur series on Denis Villeneuve. Yes, Denis Villeneuve. Yeah. That, is, that is a way to pronounce it. <laughs> Yeah, so I, sometimes I look at the pronunciations of like different names like on YouTube and like gave you the option like would you like to hear the American one or the actual one? And there was like and the one for um, for uh, um, uh, like English was like Denis Villeneuve and I was like you're not even trying. Yeah. <laughs> no, I try to I try to be accurate on it. I just think it's I think it's respectful to the person like if they're gonna pronounce it like like you know people that come here that are uh, like I had a friend in high school his name was uh, Jamaria he's Italian it was Jamaria but like uh, yeah sure I'll call it we'll call it Jamaria I don't know why but like because Americans are stupid yeah so we'll (laughs) just you know it's I think it's just respectful to like the the person in the the culture that they're coming from the language is a part of you so I always think it's funny. So. <laughs> yeah, like my name is Connor, and if, if a C is pronounced differently in a different language, it doesn't change my name. My name yeah, is it's Connor. Like, it doesn't become something. I mean, else. your mom yeah. calls me Yaden. Yeah, that's yeah. kind of a funny thing. Yeah, <laughs> which she, is funny because I call right though. Yeah, because like, like we'll go to a Mexican restaurant. Like I'll have the Vegeta nachos. God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're talking about being respectful <laughs> yeah. to the pronunciation, and here you are saying Vegeta nachos. <laughs> All right, so uh, just some of the stats on Sicario. This came out in 2015. Uh, it had a box office of uh, 84 million, 84.9. We'll just, we'll just round it up to 85, you know? <laughs> uh, it had a budget of 30 million, and I find that really interesting. It had a lower budget than uh, Prisoners, which is the last Denis Villeneuve movie. Really? Uh, yeah, that one had a budget of 46 million. Here's my theory on it. You have Hugh Jackman in that film, who is at the height, it, it, like I, I think I talked about, that's peak Hugh Jackman. Yeah. Like, that is... He he's either they were filming or had already finished filming uh, X Men Three, Rise of the Dark Phoenix, Ultimate Phoenix, whichever Phoenix movie it is. Um, yeah, you're making a face. Yeah, that movie came a, out in 2006. Oh no! I think you're talking about Days of Future Past. That's the one I'm yeah. talking about. Okay. Is then there a Phoenix? Which is that also, by the way, that's actually X Men Two. Is there a Phoenix? But also X Men Five. Of the reboot. <laughs> It's confusing. Yes. <laughs> I'm just saying either way, PQ Jackman. Yeah. Uh, I mean, is there ever not PQ Jackman? He's basically been uh, a household name for the last 20 years. He's been at the top of his game since day one. Yeah. But but that's what I think. That's where I think, the, that's where I think the discrepancy in the budget comes from is $46 million for Prisoners, which stars Hugh Jackman and Jake Gyllenhaal, who are mega stars. And then Sicario stars Emily Blunt and Josh Brolin, who are not household names they the same Thanos way. Yet, yeah, know? but I'd, yeah. I'd imagine they still command the same salary. I doubt I, that. I don't think that. Yeah, because I think that I think Emily Blunt, especially, I mean, A Quiet Place now. Um, this is Devil before, this is before that. Before. I know, but like, it, because this was stuff, this was leading up into it. Like, she is that kind of name. I think for, yeah, for now, because she's on that what what is that Disney thing? Jungle... Jungle, Jungle Cruise. Cruise. Jungle Cruise, yeah. Yeah, we were supposed to do a review on that one. Yeah, we were we? It. Yeah, yeah, we talked yeah. about it. Oh, yeah, <laughs> we just never watched the movie. Right. I didn't go back inside. Yeah, we, yeah. yeah. I fell asleep <laughs> on the floor. Yeah. yeah. Again, that was another one at my birthday party. <laughs> <laughs> we keep bringing up my birthday. I love it. It was a, good <laughs> that was a great night. It was great. Uh, but yeah, so that was just an interesting bit about it. I think at the time, Emily Blunt, Josh Brolin don't command the same salary as Hugh Jackman and uh, probably uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. So probably, but I, I think that's think, kind of the I wouldn't think that that's the, the difference in the budget. I think the biggest difference is probably the runtime because you're talking about editing a lot more film. You're talking about more data, having to work with um, uh, through editing and all of that. It's just it's just more man hours required right. in the post production. But this that's one has like a couple kind of action packed scenes that require like an amount of special effects, and so I kind of thought that would drive the budget of this up more. So but you're I'm also saying, talking I'm about like well, and you also have to think about like leasing like certain properties. That's what I was thinking because like they like Hugh Jackman does work like on that house. Yeah, and there's like they are in one house in this one multiple houses i don't know there's more yeah. properties yeah. in this movie but they're yeah. not they're not really set there where they uh are probably going to need to do multiple days of shooting yeah. Yeah. whereas i'm just I saying think this, like, blow this place up yeah sicario has at least six more black suvs than uh prisoners does that's got to cost a lot i think that maybe but there's a couple <laughs> black suvs and prisoners <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah so anyways um 
Calvin, what are your first impressions of this film? So, I mean, the war films aren't like my favorite because they're often, you know, about pew pew floaty things and that gets tired because people I mean, they actually do live in places like this, so where war is is daily life. So it's one thing to show things as they are and another to use the misfortune of others as a device to get butts and seats. I think that's a little cynical of you know, our entertainment enterprise. So, and so many of these films have been made about the drug wars. So it's easier just to pan them all than to watch one hoping it isn't bullshit. So it's not like I went into this thinking like, oh yeah, this, this could be better than the other ones. I don't know. I, I mean, this is, I, I didn't have high hopes, but it's good for the action thriller genre, but it doesn't really say enough to justify its violence. Okay. No. Um, I typically love pew pew splitty things. <laughs> So, um, first time I watched this movie, I loved it. Um, I'm still very fond of it. Uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of it. Uh, I love the action in it. I like the story. Um, the characters kind of, I'm indifferent about, but yeah, a uh, big fan of this movie. I think it's interesting that you, you both bring up the action because I think this is actually more subtle in yeah. terms of action. This is not, I, I wrote a note about this. I imagine this movie in the hands of Michael Bay and it just makes me want to roll my eyes and like walk out. Like, yeah, this movie is like, I think Kellen said it's a smart version, which I think is kind of a theme. I think with Denis Villeneuve I've come to realize is mm-hmm. he has this way of kind of elevating a genre film yeah. above what it probably should be. Um, I like how kind of eager this film is to not waste your time. I think everything in it is kind of necessary and adding more would have just, it would have wasted time. It would have made it more bloated. Um, I think it's, like I said, I think it's subtle in a way, uh, even though there are like good action set pieces in it. Um, and I think it has a great payoff at the end, which I love setup and payoff. I, so I'm, I'm, I am a big fan of this film as well. Yeah. Uh, there's only one splody. So yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's more of like a, like a visual motif. Like it's not a, a part of it, but it's the background. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. yeah. So, it, it, and I think that goes back to the way he's treated the environment as being like an extension of of the mood of the atmosphere, which yep. I think is really cool. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Uh, you're talking about like that scene at night or it's becoming nighttime and they're looking into Juarez. Yeah. Like from, from the other fireworks. side of the border. Yeah. I think that's great. You see all like the tracers and the explosion. And then, yeah, a- a- Emily Blunt's character, uh, Kate Macer, she's just like, oh my God, like this yeah. is what it's like. And it, But I think that kind of plays into what Calvin said. There's maybe an exploitative portion of this film is whereas like, we kind of have this perception of what we think south of the border is. I just think and that they, there's... I think they kind of play that up a bit. There's hard... It's hard to not exploit th- exploitate things in film. Yeah. And just in making money in general. So. I think if I was Mexican and I watched this, I would maybe not be so stoked about how... Well, this that's is kind actually... of the portrayal or perception of what... It could, have be, it could be perceived as like, wow, this must be what Americans think all of Mexico is. And that's not true. Well, and that's actually something that the mayor of Juarez uh, had an issue with. He wanted everyone to boycott the film because... At the time of, of filming, they had, uh, in his mind at least, I don't know to the, the necessary to the truth of this, but that they had made large strides in increasing the safety of Juarez. Like it was, this was not the picture that Juarez was anymore. Right. Right. So I, I think, yeah, I agree. Like it's a little bit like this is, this is it. This is our idea of Juarez and the drug war not necessarily the state of things now. Um, I mean, I do have a friend from Juarez. His name is Julio. Shout out. Um, he, he says it's pretty fucking bad. So I'm not goes down there all the good. time. Still, yeah, I wouldn't say it's good, but I mean the thing is, it's like he I don't think he's never said this. anything about like people like hanging in the street or anything like that. But right. as far as the yeah. drug uh, environment, there is still very. I think the issue probably present. comes up where I think the majority of films that people watch that take place in Mexico or South America are, are usually or some Africa. kind of or some kind of drug fueled uh, uh, quarrel. Yeah. And so, like, that's the only picture, like, kind of Americans get of, of those areas. So like, Literally every single movie. Yeah. There wasn't a whole lot of yellow tint in this movie, so that's nice. Yeah. And I think he, that's... Yeah, didn't even open up his palette a bit for this one. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't say... I think... And I think this is more like... Yeah, because you're right. He, in Enemy, he, it, you had that more sepia yellow... Well, not quite sepia, but that more yellow tone. Yeah. And then everything was, like, dark and uh, dark or white in... Um, uh, prisoners yeah. yeah and then here you have slightly desaturated colors um 
but you don't have the stereotypical like let's just throw a, 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 a filter on it, yeah, and just call it. Yeah, which is interesting because that would be typical of a film like this, to where if it's, yeah. it's mm-hmm. taking a place in hot southern, you know, South America, you yeah, know, so or, or Central America, so like in Texas, like, like that would make perfectly sense. American air. Yeah, and did you? Just, like, yeah, that's actually the border. Like, yeah, that's actually what happens when you cross the the northern border of Texas, and suddenly like you look like you're wearing sunglasses. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a part of enemy that I think is interesting is to use that uh, that that uh, color palette to yeah. kind of uh, change the mood of that film mm-hmm. and I think it's nice that, that this one kind of isn't trying to influence anything by like its color palette I don't think which is it, you know I think it's a interesting or not interesting but I think it's a it's it's cool to see kind of the range that he has as a director how he chooses to put things together and so it's cool to see that there are different kind of bits in his films yeah and I do like here like especially like you get another another sense of uh, the Denis uh, thumbprint or fingerprint like with his characters another great example of him creating characters or giving space to characters and they just they build um, up from there into right. very real and organic things yeah do we want to talk about uh, Emily Blunt's character then yeah uh, Miss Macer um, yeah Jane what do you think of her um <laughs> I mean, honestly, like I'm a big Emily Blunt fan, but uh, I think her character in this is kind of boring. Um, a, she doesn't know how to smoke a cigarette. <laughs> um, she like, like lights one half ass kind of in one scene, and then like it's not smoking, and then she just like, continues to hit it, but there's no fucking smoke. What did you say? You think that Emily Blunt just doesn't want to smoke? I think yeah, she <laughs> just doesn't want to smoke cigarettes, and I'm like, then just don't make the character smoke. It's not like it's adding anything yeah. to her character. So that was well, silly. I think it's supposed to kind of convey the uh, like stress. anxiety and stress that yeah. she's going through. And so it's like she doesn't usually smoke, but now that she's thrown into this kind of hole. Yeah, because she, she's always asking for one to smoke. She has her own cigarette. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. That's but she should still know that if it's like lit or not. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like I think she plays like the perfect amount of understated blindness of like a regular flawed person. And then like at the same time switching to like an indignant idealist whose apprehension of the nature of the mission like pushes her towards her vices so i think all of those things work for those reasons like she's not meant to be compelling or engaging it's it's so it's so real like how a very boring person who only cares who's divorced and only cares about the job now would act so i think there's while you could script that she also gives it this uh, in a, a life in that wasn't necessarily there, you know, right. in ways that like other films, like you could have, they, they would feel like stocky and like, this isn't, this isn't how normal people act, but she brings, uh, she has just a certain way of cadence of delivering her lines that like, Oh, this is a real person. Yeah. Uh, I'm not, I'm kind of with Jaden. I'm not particularly blown away by this performance, but, uh, I think she brings to the story, like what the story needs. Cause, uh, I don't think when we talked about prisoners, I think that movie is about the characters. Mm. That 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 is that is the characters just kind of living in this environment. But what we're focused on are the characters. I think it's kind of the opposite in this film. I think it's it's all about the situation that they're in, and that's kind of what really is driving the story. And they are kind of along the ride with it. So I think that she, makes sense. especially her character. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So I yeah I think she emotes this like kind of apprehension and anxiety because she's always kept at like arm's length of like the actual mission. She's kept in the dark all the time. And uh, I think she does a good job showing that, like, like, like perturbation, you know, like this, like, mm. kind of idea of like anxiety and and not knowing what's going on. And so I find that part of her character compelling. But that's kind of all there is to her character is like kind of this sense of anxiety and in going into the unknown. Uh, but again, I like I said, I think this is a really tight script, and I think everything that's in it is all that needs to be in it. And so you don't need to elaborate on her character much more than this. So I'm I'm actually fine with it kind of not being this over-the-top performance like you get out of like Hugh Jackman or Jake Gyllenhaal in Prisoners because to me the characters are not like the most important thing in this film. Yeah, and like, I still think she does a good job. I think yeah, it fits with yeah. the story. It's just that she is a boring character. Yeah, and she's also not the one that... Like it's it's told from her perspective in the beginning but kind i think of. that yeah but i think that's the well that's you're meant to take it from her perspective because that's where all of the confusion comes from we're not told anything about the mission all of this it's from her perspective because we don't we have the same amount of information as she does yeah but Which then I, when you yeah. get yeah and then when you back out like and get the the wider uh scope of things it's really about uh alejandro geek like that his i think the reflection of how they treat everything going on in juarez is his perspective okay all right, and one of the things I like about uh, Emily Blunt's character in this is I think you can kind of draw some comparisons between Macer and Helen from Enemy, where I think 
Helen in that movie is supposed to be kind of the viewer's perspective kind of entering into this film. And I think that's sort of how I felt watching this movie is we're also, as the audience, we're not let in on what's going on. Like uh, Josh Brolin's character and Benicio Del Toro's character are very, you know, kind of, they, they, like I said, they keep, they keep Mesa in the dark. And I think that's how we're also, as the audience, like we don't know what's going on either. It's not like we got some scene on the side where like Josh Brolin and Benicio Del Toro are like explaining the story to us mm-hmm. and she's left in the dark. Like we're in the dark as much as she is. Yeah. So I think that's kind of an interesting thing that I, 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 at least I assume is probably something that Denis Villeneuve does on purpose where he kind of wants some character in the film that the audience can relate to and latch on to and be like, we're experiencing this the same way the character is. Yeah. And so that's what I think is interesting about uh, Macer's character in this. And I think it's another thing that's really interesting about Helen's character in Enemy. So I kind of like that comparison between the two. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't say that it's necessarily, though, that he's uh, trying to get it from a single person's perspective so we agree with them. I think it's a it's a terrible thing that the genre film of action thriller does all the time, the over-explanation of everything. What he's trying to do is... It's this this whole movie is is a mood piece. It's all about uh, um, the way everything feels. And so to create that, you have to make sh- sure that she doesn't know anything. She has a sense of what they're doing, but not necessarily its purpose or even necessarily like what they're actually doing at all. They don't even tell her what the mission is when they get down there. You know, like yeah. they walk into a meeting, multi- God, the number of meetings they walk to in the middle of or the number of like debriefings they walk to. Or she was the part where she's literally left outside of the meeting and then brought in and then taken out and yeah. then brought in again. Like, OK, yeah. you get to know these small details. Yeah. Like it's all it's all on purpose to like to make to give you that sense. But it's. Yeah, I, I have other problems with that, but that's really why. To me, that's that. actually that's something I enjoyed about the film. I was yeah, like, oh, I do. Yeah. Like, I think oh. that's what like it's. It's it's good to do it that way, but the thing is, is it also kind of it holds back in other ways, and I'll I'll explain that later. All right, what do we think about uh, Josh Brolin's character, Matt? Fucking douchebag. Really? Okay. Yeah, I do not like him at all. Put on a shirt. <laughs> Why are you not wearing a shirt in that scene? What is what is going on there? I always like I like to think about him as I look at him. He's just very devil may care character, and he's the kind of guy who's somehow always chewing gum. Somehow, yeah. like. Or wearing flip flops. Yeah. yeah, why is he wearing flip flops? I love how they looked at that too. Like, ah, oh, check out this guy. He's quirky and weird. Yeah. He's Which, just chilling. So, like, so bringing my own perspective from bringing in, being in the military and. You have, like, your regular guys in the military, which is what I was. I was just a regular guy. And then you have, like, your really cool, like, operators, like your your SEALs and your EOD and your rescue swimmer, like, these cool guys, you know. And they kind of play by different rules. And so, like, you can, like, when I was on base, you notice these guys, like, because they are. We're all in uniform and stuff, and in the middle of the day, they're walking around like flip-flops, and they, yeah, they, you know, it's no big deal. Like they, I could see Kiefer doing that. Yeah, they, they go by their own rules, you know. Um, so seeing him... Uh, Matt in like flip flops and he, he, he's he's this consultant that the FBI has brought in and he, he's like high up on the list of you know important people in like this sort of this drug war you know and so to me watching it I was like okay I kind of get that like it makes sense that he would be kind of blase blah like I said devil may care kind of character mm-hmm. because that's kind of how it is uh, when you look at these guys I mean I think this movie also does a good job of kind of not playing that up too much I think you get like these like active valor movies uh, where it's like Navy SEALs and they're, they're like the heroes of America and, and they, they're somehow like this kind of otherworldly being that like exists only to like, uh, uh, you know, kill people and they're, they're a machine of war or whatever. But if you like have met some of these guys, they're just people. They're just better at killing people than you are. That's all. Yeah, so yeah, I like yeah. that this movie kind of didn't try to go too over the top and be like, let's make Josh Brolin the biggest badass that's ever lived. I like that he's just kind of a guy. Yeah. And I yeah. think that that I think that that fits this character well, and I like it's kind of subtle, it's pretty understated, and I was really happy that it wasn't like he's pulling out like dual wielding pistols and like you know like no looking like <laughs> around corners and shooting guys in the head. I like that this is like it seemed like tactically sound how they go about everything, and it 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 all seemed to kind of make sense that all like kind of the action set pieces that take place, they all just seem like kind of guys, but they're also just like very well trained, which is kind yeah. of how it is in real life. So. Yeah. I yeah. like that this Make movie you, did, like, not a person. Yeah, I like that this movie didn't do over the top war thing. That's 
one of my yeah. big my big like praises I can give this film. Yeah, yeah. I think they created like a nuanced bro. You know that he projects apathy, but also diligence. Like, but his entire nihilistic attitude is a reflection of the atmosphere. It's just another layer of it. It's not necessarily he is more of an archetype in that sense, but he's a real person also, which is so cool to see. Like those, that's really hard to do. Yeah. You know, like to create as as someone writing a script or write or making a movie that the, a character can function in both of those ways. So uh, Alejandro Gillick, is that how you pronounce it? A geek. Geek. Because it's it's double it's a double L. Okay. Um, yeah, we all know that rule. Yeah. Yep. It's also not mentioned in the film, so you just call him Ali. Okay, well I'll call him <laughs> He's a dick. Uh, <laughs> I also like I think all of the actors do good and I think it fits with the movie, but personally, like, I don't like these people who they're betraying. Like, I don't like Alejandro. I think he's a bad person, and I think he uses an excuse from his past to, like, justify him being, like, an awful human being. Well, I think, like, uh, Macer hits on that a lot. She's like, yeah. who is this guy? What is he about? And yeah. he just, uh, Matt keeps saying, oh, he's a consultant, same as me. And she's yeah. like, no, he's not. Yeah, no, he's there's not. something wrong with him. Like, And, you know, it gets revealed later that, of course, it does. Of course yeah. he's not just some kind of, uh, you know, a consultant brought in. Yeah. No, I yeah. just, I don't like, like, he's a very good actor and stuff, and, like, the character is amazing, but just, like, personally, like, I don't like the dude. Yeah. I, don't I like think, him. And I think he's really cool. Like, he's he's kind of like a slow burn for the whole film. Like, we mm-hmm. start with Macer's perspective. We get, then we get um, basically slapped in the face with uh, uh, Matt Graver's perspective on everything. And right. then we ultimately realize that the whole movie is really about Alejandro. And so. And, you know, like it's it's the whole thing is his inner turmoil raging quietly below the surface while we're paying attention to all of these other things. And then suddenly we get to the end and we realize the entire movie is from his perspective, the state of things, why everyone thinks this, because they're all a part of it in the same way. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's uh, he's kept pretty vague on purpose. There's actually it's kind of neat. Um, Benicio del Toro, he goes through the script, he reads it and he feels like he has a good understanding of what this character is and what his motivation is. And so he goes to Denis Villeneuve and he's like, hey, I think that I'm talking way too much in this film. Like, it doesn't really make sense that this character would be so upfront about it, about everything. Like, there's a scene where they get into the... Uh, Macer gets on the plane with Matt and Alejandro. And I guess in that scene, Alejandro was kind of supposed to explain kind of his character motivation. Mm. Like, you know, that his family had been killed and all this. And he's kind of out for revenge and he's going to kind of take over this like kind of kingpin of the drug trade. And uh, yeah, so Benicio Del Toro was like, that doesn't make any sense to me. I don't think he should do this. And so him and Denis Villeneuve worked on it and they went through the script about like, apparently Denis Villeneuve estimated that 90% of his dialogue is cut from the film. Wow. Which is amazing to me. And I I really love that because that to me is an example of a, of a actor. I um, caring enough about a character and how it's portrayed on screen that they're willing to give up their own vanity to see that character portrayed well, because I mean, I think there's a lot of actors who are like, "Oh, you want to cut ninety percent of my dialogue out?" Like, like no, I'm out. No, yeah, yeah. Of but course. The, the fact that it was like his, <laughs> he was the one who decision. prompted this. This I think will be better cool. for the film, and not necessarily better for me. But I thought he did. I mean, just his body language and facial expressions were just I, fantastic. Yeah, that's yes. what I have a note of. I I think just his his uh, presence in the film and like the fact that he is mysterious makes him much more intriguing. And he has kind of like cryptic lines. Like Calvin has a really good quote by him. Yeah, like where where are you talking about? Like, well, you're asking me how a, a watch works. Or for now, we'll just keep an eye on the time. And I love yeah. that. It's yeah. like it's it keeps this kind of vagueness to his character that I, I think is makes it much more compelling. And I, and I like I think this film, it, to me, that's like the version of this film where he talks ninety percent more is a Michael Bay Michael Bay version of this. Yeah, film, yeah. Where it's like let's pump up how badass these guys are, and, and let's pump up the revenge, and let's let's go in there guns blazing all the time. I think this film could have been completely different. If it could have been a freaking direction. terrible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I, I just, I just really appreciate Benicio del Toro for for being like, hey, I have a different idea on what we can do with this. And again, I think uh, we've talked about it before about Denis Villeneuve being an auteur in a way, but someone who's still willing to uh, kind of take notes and like collaborate and and figure out what what actually makes this film better instead of being like, I'm the boss, we're going to do it this way because I'm the director. I like that these stories always end up coming out better because of his willingness to like listen and try and uh put his actors in like the best situation to get the best performances yeah and and 
with those lines too like that's 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 a fairly like oh cliche dumbass like um let's create the mystique of a character by giving them uh weird lines like this but what you ultimately realize by the end of the film is he talks like this because he just doesn't give a shit about anything yeah like he's just like one thing and that's it yeah like he can say things like this because it's all like this is just you know me at the office type thing and like i'm just gonna talk goofy like this or like whatever it doesn't it doesn't mean anything to him it's like not trying to be cool or mysterious he's he's just trying to be himself and and evade why he's actually really there like that's the purpose of it it's kind of like you talked about an enemy where there's a scene where jake gyllenhaal is meeting helen but he's supposed to act aloof like he doesn't know who helen is Mm. it's like this sort of nonchalantness and i think benicio del toro captures that with alejandro it's like I, i think it's like this kind of blase blah attitude that uh i think is just uh it's put on screen really well and i think that's why that's why his character is interesting even though he's aloof and even though he's vague yeah it's interesting in like a clever way not like this is our guy who's probably going to do something spectacular later but we're keeping it secret because we just have to it's actually interesting that it's kept a secret in this film i think a good example of that is like when he starts to become more friendly with macer and starts to like build a relationship with her almost and because he has, and this, like, he has this really odd caring uh, compassion for her like, okay really odd protective so for a moment like i thought like yeah. is this sexual and i was like if it is it's very fucking weird like mm. it doesn't make sense it doesn't seem right yeah well, and then it wasn't like, yeah you know, i'm glad yeah, it didn't turn yeah, out yeah, me that, too. that would have yeah. been odd yeah uh but yeah uh so do we have some side characters we want to move on to i think i mean we have like three main ones that i think are important um obviously ted you know um Fuckboy cowboy um right like that was he was just like he that was just kind of weird and fun and like i just remember seeing him in uh uh the walking dead for the first time so now wherever i see him i'm I'm like oh that's shane you can't hide from me that's exactly what i say every time yeah (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah i kind of love his his scenes because he kind of comes off as like this swagger cowboy and then when he's kind of being tortured in the end by alejandro and he gets like a it's sort of like a wet willy, but it's like a very painful wet willy. And then he becomes like a, he just is totally compliant after that. So yeah. It's kind of a switch on his character. I think it's kind of, it's kind of funny how that works. Like, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. All of his swagger is gone. Like <laughs> Right. And yeah, like, so, and then he, he's fun. And then Reg, you know, played by Daniel Kaluuya. Um, he's, he's good. You know, I actually have some thoughts on him because I actually, there are two things, you know, I talked about how I think almost everything this movie needs to be there. I think he doesn't need to be there, and I think there's a plot line with the police officer in Mexico, like the police officer from Juarez. Oh, you don't think that needs to be there? No, I don't. Wow, I think that's huge. We can get into that one. Yeah. I want to talk about uh, Reggie, though. I think it kind of undermines this sense of kind of dread and anxiety that Macer has every time he shows up. I think it kind of resets this clock in my head of, of kind of tension building every time he pops in, because... Now she has like this sort of place of comfort that she can go to, like a partner that she knows, someone who has her back, where I think it would have, if you just kind of, because this film is kind of like a slow burn to like your, your, your kind of climax at the end. And I think if you just kept that slow burn of anxiety that Macer's feeling, I think it would have come across better than having kind of this kind of like relaxed moments with Reggie. So I actually, I I actually prefer him not being in the film. I, I think it makes it less dynamic if he's in it. I think the whole thing though would be it would just be strained the whole time, and eventually that that just, it, it gets it gets tiring to an audience, and so I'd imagine that's why he's included in there to yeah. give like a little bit of of peaks and valleys of like this is you know this is likely what would happen in a real in a real scenario this person would be talking to someone like it's not about Macer if it were about Macer and we were really talking about like her mind and um, her. Um, uh apprehension about doing all of this that would make more sense but i think um here reggie is meant to um just just be like like a bouncing board for her ideas and for uh her anxieties and we give her so like it's just a little bit of release of tension so that when um all of a sudden we find out that ted uh is actually going to kill her or trying it you know, it, it it feels more uh, more dangerous because of that. Yeah, I guess that's fair. I guess just for me, like personally, like I would have liked the idea of a, a film where I'm like I'm like I'm uptight and I'm like uh, I'm like you know I got my my fingers are I'm clenching my fists and I'm like I'm clenching my toes and and I'm just like oh my god what is gonna happen with Macer like how is this gonna go and I thought every time 
Reggie came in, I had this kind of release and I was like, well, now I have to like build back up to this tension again. And so that's just like personally for me, I, I would have been fine with Reggie not being in it. So, yeah. 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 I don't think he's very interesting. Yeah, like that. But I think I he, do, he is just a device to release yeah. tension in the film. And that's I think all for it sure. is. Yeah. And I don't think maybe cut him out of the movie completely, but he doesn't need to be there as much as he is. Because the best parts of the movie are with him, not yeah. in the film. Yeah, why he's going on the mission at the end, I don't understand. Me either. That's, I don't get that at all. That's unnecessary. Like, I, think, I don't know why he just randomly got brought in. I think it's odd, too, because Matt makes a point to be like, oh, no lawyers on yeah. this op. Like, yeah. get him out of here. Yeah. It, like, he makes a point to not include him, so it's weird that he is included at the end. I don't know. I, I actually, that's another point I, I have. I actually think that kind of end scene in the tunnel is even more tense if, if Macer's going in there with literally no one who has her back. Yeah. yeah. Because they make it pretty clear to her going into that scene that like, hey, like you're here on it like for a technicality. Yeah. yeah. Like you're not here because we actually, like you, your your Want input you. or your skill is actually needed. You're here because we technically need you. And I think that that whole scene becomes much more tense when she like finds herself alone in the tunnels. If it is just yeah. her alone, she has no one with her. So, again, that's that's my thoughts on on Reggie. I think he's fine. Can we talk about why do you guys do you, you guys think the police officer in Juarez is necessary? I think he's incredibly Definitely. necessary. And I think it's not necessarily it's uh, incredibly necessary to Vinicio's character, and that's that's huge because it gives us. Uh, I mean, we have this relationship with him and his son, and then it's just. And uh, freaking Alejandro doesn't care at the end. He's like, I have a son or whatever. And like, he just blows off, like does not give a single shit that he said that yeah. at all. And having that background with having his relationship with his son has makes the audience more. Uh, you found the death more impactful? Yeah, it's, it's he, more like okay. a more empathetic towards him and, okay. and his yeah. family and stuff yeah. like Because we know what, what kind of character Alejandro is now. Like he is so far beyond redemption because he doesn't even remember what happened to him. Everybody right. is just in his way yeah. and for his singular goal. And the reason I think that these scenes are necessary is because it reinforces the idea of the state of things. You know, uh, like when um, Alejandro says, you know, beware of the state police. They're not always the good guys. Foreshadowing of finding out that he's the, the police officer is actually drug running for them as well. Right. And so the, it's those scenes of this little family life. Um, and families are obviously a big deal here, but tying in how one person connects everybody to the entire how everything is con is is tangled and then at the end when you have the the soccer game and explosions are going off it's because it's constant everybody's involved whether they want to be or not so yeah. that's why those are are necessary not necessarily the character themselves you don't need to give them a name or lines or anything it's just showing that i think you're probably right i think it adds more flavor to the film mm -hmm. it gives a little more kind of background on what they're going into i just think that I guess narratively, you could have just had a police officer at the end loading in drugs. Just do a little throwaway, throwaway line like, oh, come on, you're a cop. You work for us, though. Like, we got you under our thumb. And then Alejandro comes and kind of forces him to drive him places and do these things. I, I think narratively, it it could work without that, uh, all those kinds of scenes with him, with his son and his family. Yeah, uh, absolutely. But, I, but I think it adds more. You're right. I think it adds more context, more flavor to the film. Uh, but, but that's fine. Yeah. But ultimately, my... The the only side character that I think actually matters is Steve Forcing, <laughs> and he's also like one of the one of the bright spots uh, in terms of of humor. Yeah, um, that's the dude that when they get off the tarmac, they're uh, what, what what do they say? They asked him like, uh, "How you doing, Steve?" Yeah, he's like, my, uh, like my, oh, pee, my, my pee hurts. Yeah, my pee hurts. <laughs> so like, does it have what color is it? He's like, it's got little red specks in there. He's like, that's blood. <laughs> <laughs> so, to me, I I actually don't like that bit of dialogue and that's just that's for me and my military background i think that that's a bit of like oh yeah this is just military jargon this is how these guys talk you know they they, they always talking about you know all, all these gross things that are, but they're just like guys you know they're just guys being dudes yeah and so i actually don't like that that to me is like a stereotypical kind of jargon that takes place so i actually wasn't a big fan of that but i understand to like you you soft brains, your smooth brains out there, you know, like you too. I think that that's that's how military people talk. That's well, that's like not, not a thing. That's so. not necessarily why I think. Like, I I don't think that's necessarily. Like, uh, I think it's a stereotype of him. What I think it does is it it introduces him as this type of character who's going to say this types of these types of things. It's yeah. not it's not necessarily our idea of someone running this operation operation. It's like what you can expect this type of character to say. Yeah. The the lines that he has that are important are after that when he's talking about how Taft can 
came down to sign a, a treaty uh, with four thousand men, and right. you know, not not even then with 4, he didn't 000, even feel safe then. Yeah, yeah. with four thousand men, and then the other one, like uh, when he, they drive by all of the people hanging on the uh, uh, on the underpass, and he says it's brilliant what they do, make them cut them up like that, make them look like they deserved a death like that. Brilliant right. what they do, and yeah. it's funny because in the end, that's also like. Uh, what Almancon uh, says about how where where we learned everything from was from the Americans. So you have this this bit of interplay, like well we learned it from them. No, we learned it from them because it's just constantly back and forth, and then just picking up tricks from each other. Right. I so. just yeah no I I think he again I think he's like he's more flavor to the film than substance to the film. Yeah, and me. that's and the, like he he embodies some of these things, these attitudes towards what's going on. It's all about like yeah, this is just another it's just another thing, you know. It's not we're not talking about a spe- specific event or uh, a specific engagement. This is just, just another day in their lives. Yeah, just another I mean, day I think in the that office. That does kind of represent that. And like yeah. I love that too when they have like kind of the briefing that they're going to go across the border. Yeah. And uh Macer's in there. She seems like this is somehow it's like it's like old hat to these guys. Like they they know what they're doing, and she's the only one who's kind of left in the dark. It's yeah. It's it's again. It's just like kind of more of that building up. It's like it's it's like it's the briefest brief ever given. I've been in briefs. They're really long. Yeah. Um, and and everyone needs to know what's going on before you before you step out the door. And she still seems to have nothing like no idea kind of what they're really doing. And everyone's just like, oh yeah, no, we're. Uh, you know, and they they're like, "Oh, we got Matt here," and he's like, "Oh yeah, like, hopefully I'll be sober before I cross the border." Yeah, you know, but, and everyone's like kind of coking and joking in there, and I think it just adds to like kind of this feeling that Macer has in there of like these guys are just like uh, gung ho cowboys out there, yeah. and she's like, "This is not how I do things," because she's like FBI by the book. Yeah, and I yeah. think it just yeah it adds more of that element to the, her character. Again, I don't think her acting is kind of what elevates that character. I think it's just the situation she's in that kind of make the character more interesting. Yeah, I, I do like that. It's like this, it's this weird, like, kind of frat boy kind of fraternity of dudes who are like, oh, yeah, we're just going to go across the border. And, you know, if, if guns come out, it's no big deal. And she's like, what the fuck are we doing here? And yeah. I love that. Yeah, exactly. It's so much tension in, like, a, a, a scene about driving somewhere. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of tension in that scene. I like it. I think that scene really builds into the atmos- atmosphere of the film, like kind of the film techniques we're going to be seeing, the environment we're going to be a part of. And uh, I-, I think it kind of leads into that really well. Yeah, and I- I'd say that everything actually works together to create this this cryptic trudge of violence. It's like a state. And like I said before, it's like it's a state. It's not an event. It's not a specific engagement. It's a state of war for the U.S. It's a state of tragedy for the people of Juarez. Nothing is new. Or different and the government wants to get back to the the medellin status quo where um where they control like a single cartel but they're doing it through acts of terror it's it's literally bureaucratic bureaucratic chaos which is so weird to think about like in this case like we really are a part of the problem doesn't uh matt say that he's like we're there we're going in there to kick the hornet's nest like that's and like create chaos create he literally chaos. says that yeah, yeah. Yeah, which is it's it's weird and unfortunate that that's probably the case. I mean, that's that's obviously been the case in a lot of uh, um, involvement that the U.S. has had in like uh, Southern and Middle American countries, like destabilizing governments specifically. <laughs> it's, like, it's, like it's not a secret that the U.S. is involved in like you know how uh, politics are done or, or influencing <coughs> politics and other. Yeah, countries. well, not even yeah. like politics, but like straight up guerrilla warfare. Right. Right. Yep supporting coups and right so that they can control things better so it's weird to get like a a glimpse of that like in film yeah well well not necessarily in film but that it's just like this is just what's going on like there's nothing it's not corrupt it's just you know what are we gonna do we're just you know this is just our job i think that's one of the reasons why i think this film is probably elevated is because it is done in a way that's believable it's subtle how they're going about destabilizing a cartel and a government and and all this it's it's it seems like something that's probably actually happening instead of like we're gonna go in there and we're gonna drop the bombs and we're gonna shoot everyone and we're we're, we're badass we're america and let's do it like i like that it's like just another day at the office yeah and it's Mm -hmm. just like this is just how we do things now like we do things kind of in the shadows we we manipulate people and we we are brutal in a way but it's it's kept secret, and I, I think that that's one of the reasons why I like this film a lot is because you described it, Calvin. I think it's like you don't like war movies and shoot them shoot them up movies. Mm-hmm. I don't really think this is that. At I don't all. think it is either. That was my idea of like what it would be. Going right, in. right. And I'm I'm glad it's not because that would suck. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But 
Yeah, and I think like like the things that really take it beyond even just what's going on in terms of Macer's perspective is it's the the camera work here. You can really see Denise um, uh, how he influences the um, this idea of of state of things through his camera work. You know, you have you have um, some of my favorite shots. You have. Uh, uh, like when Macer first gets dropped off at the complex um, and you know, they don't let Reg in, you um, cut out and it's this wide shot of her just standing uh, yeah. at the gate by herself. There's another conference room where it cuts out and she's just very small in the frame. She's very small and isolated in different shots, uh, like lending to the idea of this surrounding uh, chaos around her. And she's just you know, not going to be able to make a mark, not significant and completely alone. And then you have the handheld shots of them going through like the raid at the beginning. You know, it's that boots on ground. Like here we are, like we're the perspective. But I it's love not like, that scene. Yeah. yeah. We didn't really talk about that, but that's a really good way to start out a movie, I think. And and really it you're immediately involved and, and you feel the impact of like this is what this cartel is capable of. All mm. this like just this, this disturbing imagery you see, like with people in the walls, and then you see kind yeah. of like booby trap bomb stuff and, and it's to to see it north of the border in one of the states is like it's jarring and it's and it's dis- unsettling and i think it i i really like the beginning of this film because it it does jump right into action but it like really sets the stage for what they're dealing with yeah and also uh there's a dog in that scene and the dog does not die in the explosion so that made me happy okay i was very worried about it yeah he yeah. probably should have died just to reinforce how everyone's involved huh. i would have been so sad yeah. <laughs> and that's the point yeah huh. yeah that's- but then i was happy because the dog was just Boop, skirts away from the explosion but yeah so i love how we start with these handheld shots we start with the with uh you know it's not shaky cam as much you know and shaky cam has um a complicated history in film history like you go uh, like there are different ideas of direct cinema and cinema verite and idea of like and how that bleeds over into like documentary film as well this idea of of the camera being a real person of being an individual perspective so to start there and then move to these amazing aerial shots i think this is one of the hallmarks of his film like you saw it a little bit in enemy not in prisoners at all but then this film is lousy with aerial shots it's amazing it's and they are wonderful because they're not exposition shots either that is what i think is so crazy it's not like okay here we're in juarez you know title screen like you know it's not like budapest like you know uh, uh, the black like Black Widow did and like you're not that's not the point of it. My favorite those shot, those shots are just to like kind of aerial shots to an establishing shot to tell you where you're at. These are like a part of the scene. Yeah, it, it's it's the single greatest aspect of the film. Like when the switching of the perspective to the sky from the ground changes the film by incorporating the environment into the action it becomes anthropomorphized and entangled in the story you actually think of it as like as like a character or embodying qualities of like danger like when the caravan crosses the border and the camera the frame starts to get ahead of the camera or i mean ahead of the caravan we start to see the whole city and it lingers in in the business we call it convoy but yeah okay there we go <laughs> in my business we call it other things <laughs> But um, even even prior to that, I, I there's a really great shot of as the convoy is just even approaching the border, and the shot is kind of uh, helicopters flying over the shot, mm-hmm. and it's it's at the border. It, they're driving past the fence, and that's like the another part of kind of the 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 feel of this film is like the score picks up, and it's just like this really like kind of like bassy tone that keeps picking up, and it's as they're getting closer to the border, and it and it gets louder and louder, and it builds this tension of them going across, and I just love that it's like, it's literally you, you see like Juarez on one side, and then you kind of see this 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 convoy on the other, and you know that they're about to head into this conflict, and then you know that that's when you're talking about where uh, uh, the uh, the aerial shot gets higher up, and and you yeah. see the convoy crossing the border, and and what's so great is is how it it stays there. We we stay looking at at Juarez for like five or six seconds longer than you would expect that shot to last. And you start to think, and when those happen, then you suddenly don't think of them as plot points or anything like that. It's like, oh, oh, what? why are we still looking at this? You get this sense of like what's going on. And it's the same sort of thing that happens when you look at the traffic jam. We start not at the beginning uh, where the crash is. We start somewhere in the middle and we see all of these cars. It builds tension so well because we don't know when the resolution is. We don't know how far away it is, but we see a massive problem. 
I, I agree with what you're saying where the, the camera kind of lingers on Juarez for a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think there, one of them says, he's like, that, there it is, that's the beast. And that's, to yeah. me, I think that's the, it's the filmmaking technique enhancing a bit of dialogue that we're seeing because it does, it lingers for a bit and then you get like, hey, you get confirmation on like, here, we're going in here. And I love that. It's, it is, it's those two, it's those two bits of filmmaking working together. It's, it's the actual, what you're seeing on film, on screen, and it's dialogue that helps enhance all that. I think it's great. Yeah, exactly. In the hands of a, of a lesser director, this would be a, another one of your drug war movies that's straight to video. Right. It, yep. The way he treats the camera is such a big deal that these characters, even if you have Josh, Josh Brolin and Emily Blunt, like this is a four out of ten star movie. It, right. it will be terrible. It doesn't matter because the, they don't understand what they're making. And he does. So I want to continuing into that scene so they're they're crossing the border they're going to pick up someone that they think they can kind of turn be, have become an informant for them and i i again we're talking about the aerial shots and i think what's really cool about that is as they're entering the border you have these great aerial shots and then the further they get into juarez kind of the closer to like ground level you get and i think that's interesting because it's sort of like this sort of like sense of safety at the border and you know so you have your camera placed up high like you're out of danger you're you're away from you know, this, uh, you know, anything that could happen to you. And then the further they get in, the more camera angles are at street level and it sort of kind of, everything is kind of closing in around them. They have all the, all the buildings coming in close. You're on these like small roads. And that to me enhances kind of the danger that they're in. And I think the filmmaking, again, you're talking about being kind of an element of the story. I think it, it enhances that all. Cause if you just keep it all aerial shots or if you start it all, just like cameras that are in the vehicles right off the bat, then you don't really get that sense. It's kind of, this feeling of going from like kind of safety into danger. And I think the filmmaking itself, the camera techniques itself enhance that. Yeah. Because it's actually like, now that I think about it, it's really a reflection of the idea of the hero descending into the underworld. Right. Right. A visual representation of that, that you get, that you subconsciously put together, but that you don't necessarily need to be told that like, Oh, we're, you know, uh, that we're heroes diving down into the underworld. Like actually being told that would is is pathetic and dumb. But right. knowing that that's what you're doing with your filmmaking is exactly why it that's works. What I'm yeah, there's there's like no dialogue to be like, okay, we're in the dangerous spot now. It's just it's just the filmmaking technique. It's just changing. What he you does literally say that we're entering the beast now. Well, no, he see, he says like there's the beast over there or whatever. Yeah, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I do love like you mentioned the, how the music uh, picks up in certain places, but it's very minimalistic. It's yeah. not your it's not your typical bombastic <clears throat> score that you would expect for a genre film like this. It's it's driving and undulating without making itself known. Like it, no, it works very well. Yeah, this is Jane's like this is Jaden's favorite kind of score. Yep, yep. I love it a lot. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. great. Big big fan of it in this movie, especially. I think it works really well, and it does. A, like you, like you were saying with the aerial shots and it drives the danger of where they're coming in. The score does the exact same thing. Yeah, no, yeah. I agree. And so after they pick up their informant, they're going to cross back onto the U.S. side of the border. And there's a couple aerial shots, but they're not as heavy. It mostly takes place, again, at like ground level, like like you talked about the traffic jam. And so they're all they're all kind of waiting. There's a lot of tension. Like They, they know there's people following them. They think they're going to run into a confrontation. Of course they do. And I think what's interesting about this is it's, it's almost like the... Uh, your U.S. convoy who's picked up these guys, they, they almost like kind of, n- not only do they welcome this like shootout, I feel like they almost kind of push it in a yeah. way. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I think they, like they, they are wanting this to happen. Yeah, which is, like, oh, it's yeah. been too boring today. Let's get some action in here, boys. Which is another reason, like, I think uh, uh, Emily Blunt's portrayal of Mesa is so great because she's just like, as what soon the as they, they get out of the car and she's like, what the fuck are, are we doing? Do? Yeah. Like, she is, yeah. she's like, this is not I think she might literally say yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. I, think yeah. That, I think that is a quote yeah. from the movie. Yeah. And that shot, actually, when they get back to the complex and they both get out of the car, it's a long shot where they're, where um, it's a really wide angle and she's just laying into Matt and it's a, and it goes on for like a minute. And yeah. normally, like, when you would, when you would see that type of framing, that's that's typically a comedy type setting because when you when you put characters far away in the frame it increases uh the humor because it's very like this is this is not a big deal this is blah 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 humans whatever but it feels like it it just reinforces how small she is and how little she can actually affect anything and the same sort of thing with matt like he is small and can't really affect anything because he is framed by this big wide open a mess yeah. And I think it's too, I think you get a good bit of like physical acting from Emily Blunt in that scene. Cause she's like, you know, she's like pointing at Matt. She's like, what are we doing? Like what, we can't do that. She's like, I don't trust Alejandro. Like he's not supposed to be here. Yeah. And, and, and 
I think because it's in a wider shot, you can get more of like, you can get that, if it was like a two camera setup where it's just cutting between Josh Brolin and Emily Blunt, you don't get that same feeling at all. I like that it's a wide shot and you can see them like Macer's kind of pacing around, like kind of trying to come to grips with this shootout they just had at the border. Like it's, it's, I think it's, yeah, again, it's a well done scene where I think if you do a more traditional version of that, it's, it's going to be edited them talking back and forth to each other. And I don't think it's as good. So I do like that. It's just, like you said, a wide shot. I think it comes out great. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Because you do, and like with that wide shot, you get a lot of the body language, which you wouldn't yeah, get. That, that physical acting yeah, I'm talking about. Yeah. You need that. And I think it yeah helps the scene out dramatically. And, and it helps Matt, like Matt too. He's like, whatever, dude. Fine. Yeah. He's like, leave if you want. He's like, don't come with us if you want. I don't care. He's like, like he, I got a job that, to do. Yeah. yeah. He has that same body language. He's yeah. just like, he's just a dude. He's like, yeah. okay, whatever. He could be man. wearing flip-flops in that scene. It'd be totally fine. Yeah. Yeah. It would make perfect <laughs> sense. Yeah. Whether or not I'm wearing a shirt is fine with me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, yeah, I like that. Uh, that, that border crossing scene, them entering and then exiting, I think are kind of your really high tension moments in the movie. It I really think they're done is, really well. Yeah. It really is the movie when you think about it. Like the only other thing like where we ever get back to, to that is the dinner scene at the end when uh, when uh, Alejandro does infil- infiltrate um, uh, Fausto's home. Right, that scene is intense, dude. And uh, and I'm I'm sort of starting to come around to what you guys had to say about the the police officer in Juarez and how he Alejandro uses him to uh, he kind of pulls over one of uh, kind of the second or third in commands of the uh, cartel and he uses him yeah. to Mando. get. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to get into the compound and everything to kind of, kind of reach your climax of the film, and I guess you're right. I, I, I guess I don't feel enough when he dies because I just already didn't like. I wasn't very interested in that like yeah. sort of uh, that part that B plot of this film. Yeah. But I guess like just to kind of add more emotion to the film, it does help that he has that background. So it makes you feel like because uh, you as a viewer are probably gonna have empathy for that guy. Yeah. Like immediately, yeah. and then like it just shows the apatheticness of. Alejandro just he just uses him literally as a a tool to pull this guy over yeah that's all he's there for and, and I think Calvin had mentioned too it, it sets up his character even more to be like these are just people these are just obstacles in my way yep. it doesn't matter that this guy has a, a family no, it doesn't matter it doesn't, at all. it doesn't matter that he seems to even have like a drinking problem probably yeah. induced because he has to work for the cartel yep. and like he he's probably seems like maybe an honest man who doesn't want to be doing this so, Eats good breakfasts. So I maybe I maybe coming around on that. You guys yeah. might have convinced me that that kind of plot within the film helps well, it out. And it's not even necessarily a plot because it's also one of the first questions that Macer was asked. Uh, do you are you married? Kids? Yeah. Uh, say, and then so that theme is everywhere. Uh, same thing when they're um, when they're uh, coming through some of the. Uh, uh, illegal aliens yeah yeah do you have do you have family uh on this side of the border yeah kids and it's yeah it's that idea repeated over and over and then here you have a visual representation you knew that he was going to die because the whole thing is we all a single actor in this mess ties all of his connections in whether he likes it or not right yeah. so can we talk about just real quick leading up uh just prior to that that dinner scene is when they go through the tunnel that's going to get them across the border and you have that kind of special op thing that takes place. Yeah. This is just one of my fun facts. Uh, when they're in the tunnel, there's a scene where Emily Blunt hits her head on kind of one of the, like the yeah. wood beams. Yeah. And uh, after that, she takes her helmet off and, you know, buckles it onto her side. That was uh, not intentional. She actually bumped happened. her head. And she's and like, we can hate this thing. <laughs> and Evil knew was like, oh, that actually kind of makes sense that, you know, they're in this confined space now. It would, it, it actually makes sense in that moment in the film that she yeah. would oh i'm like bonking my head I, I would take this off i just think it's always neat when you get those scenes that are just like it reminds me of the gandalf scene where he hits his head in bilbo's house yeah, yeah. and they they just kept it in because they're like oh like that makes sense we should keep it yep yeah that scene actually that part bugged me because you know working in construction like well if you hit your head once while you're wearing your helmet why would you take it off and i i understand a director saying that it makes sense because again, I'm I'm gonna bring my military background into it. And again, I wasn't like a cool guy. I didn't do anything. I, I deployed to like Dubai and Bahrain, and I lived in like a hotel, and I got to go to the beach all the time. So my <laughs> military experience is much different than what these guys in this film have. Um, but I do know that if 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 you are even a, a a a chance that a bullet might come at you, you just keep your helmet on. Yeah. yeah. So so I get that. Like for a filmmaker to be like, oh, this is kind of a cool little bit. I'll keep it in my film. I get that that's cool and it's cinematic, yeah. but I also agree with Calvin. Like, if you're 
keep it on keep your helmet on well i kind of thought at the same time like like i mean you might not be wearing that kind of equipment all the time but then again is she wearing a helmet in the beginning of the movie yeah Yeah. Yeah, and she also takes it off pretty quickly yeah she takes it off after they're done yeah she she has it off during the explosion but they're not expecting that makes sense does the sweet like slide shoot move in that scene too yeah that is cool yeah but yeah like but so the whole and again like when you the, the dinner scene is another example of family family represented as their set pieces. The cameras are set up behind the shoulders of Alarcón and um, Alejandro. They're not from the perspectives of the family. They're literally obstacles to to getting to Fausto. Right. So that's why, like... I don't know if they're obstacles at that point. I think they might be, like, leverage? Or... Well, the same sort of thing. Like, either way, they're, they're set up between... Um, Alejandro and Fausto as being things that would prevent him from acting a certain way, which is why they're speaking. In okay, English. I see you're saying. Okay, yep. Yeah, so not necessarily like preventing him from get doing that, but like a psychic level of like, oh, you know, how how much of a how bad of a person is he? Yeah, they should be obstacles. Yeah, okay. exactly. But and, they're not. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so that whole, you know, he walks up. There's no, there's no sound. There's no music, and. We don't we we don't know how this is necessarily going to play out. We we do think that Alarcon is going to get killed. Like that seems pretty pretty obvious. But uh, but especially since he starts like we guys speaking English now, you think that the kids and stuff might be safe. Yeah. I actually yeah. think that that's a clever way to get an American audience to be more interested in this film because people don't want to read subtitles. And so yeah. I like that yeah. he's like, "Do your kids speak English?" And then like, no. It's like okay, so we can just speak English in this. That way, the viewer, the American viewer, oh. can have a better time watching this. I I, I just have subtitles on the whole time, either way. So. Yeah, that's, yeah, right. Dude, you guys drive me nuts with your subtitles. I don't understand how you can watch a film. <laughs> I don't subtitles. understand how you can't. Yeah, like, you miss so you much. Miss so much. No, yeah. I just listen to it, or I watch it again, or I I, I tend to rewind films. Uh, Hannah doesn't like it. Yeah, you should put on subtitles. Because I'll be like, because I'll, <laughs> I'll be like, wait, what happened? And I'll have to rewind it and listen to it again. But to me, that's a more enjoyable way to watch a movie because I feel like I miss out on what's going on screen if I'm reading what's at the bottom. Okay, so I, I don't just like just read the subtitles like the entire movie. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm like, slow, oh, okay, yeah. I missed something and then yeah. I'll check it. I'm a slow reader, so and, and I, I get so drawn into the subtitles. Like yeah. that to me is somehow more, it grabs my attention more than what's happening on screen. Yeah, so yeah. I end up just reading the whole thing like a some kind of visual novel. Yeah. It's <laughs> awful. And I, I can get it. that. But I think the two, like I don't watch a film one time if it's good. You know, I'm going back and I'm watching it two and three times. Right, right. So yeah. there's there's that level of it too. I I just prefer. I don't want to misconstrue something that's been said. And I also do like there are times in a mix because the mix is not perfect for every uh, place that you're going to be watching it. So sometimes those sounds don't come in because um, they're on a different channel. And so when you have the subtitle talking about a sound effect that's way off, I think I, those are those those are the biggest reasons that I still leave on. Your points are fair. I'm just saying I personally cannot stand it. I know. <laughs> we're going we're working on converting yeah. you this is just another so another part of the the dinner scene there's uh they have like a i assume like some kind of predator drone or something overhead and they're feeding information to alejandro as he's moving through the house mm. and they tell him they're like okay six people in the compound or whatever and you see him he kind of kill he doesn't kind of kill he kills one of the henchmen <laughs> just kind of kills he, him. he like absolutely murders him. <laughs> and then after that you see him he 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 becomes like a lot less like sneaky and he's like not as uh, um, aggressively moving through the house he's like much more relaxed because mm-hmm. he then sees like the the maid or like uh you know someone who it, it, some someone who works for the family which is crazy that he doesn't just murder her i actually kind of like that he like tells her to get out yeah, I, I think that, like, I think he that, like murders everybody else. Like, what is the difference here? I think that actually may, adds to the the tension in the end because, like, okay, he's he's a good guy. He's not going to kill innocent people. You know, but who the fuck because, is innocent? Well, like, well, who? But the the cops right. not innocent. Like, so he kills him, and it's well, how is the maid innocent if well, the cops are innocent? Because the, the, okay, the maid is still working for the cartel. Yeah, but correct. Not, yeah, yeah. I would say. Well, I mean, like maybe not. And the cop didn't choose the, to work for the cartel. I mean, I assume. Yeah, I mean, that's interesting like, that you bring it up because yeah. now I'm thinking about it differently. It might have made more sense for his character to actually kill. Just freaking blow her brains. I just, I was confused as why he yeah. did. I I don't think it makes sense to the character. I think it it just adds to the gravity of yeah. the situation yeah. at the dinner yeah. table. 
I just think it's cool. It does, and it makes the scene at the dinner table, I guess, more confusing because if he's not going to kill the maid, why would he kill the kids? Yeah, yeah. I just and think it's cool that the his, yeah. his body language changes after he knows he's gotten rid of. Yeah, the one immediately. Kid. Yeah, and I think it's kind of a neat like bit. He's like, okay, now I just need to go take care of the the big yep. guy. You know, he's yeah. like, okay, cool. Yeah, and I love that. Like, I, I just that that was the one thing I did not see coming was the way he killed uh, the family. It was just like punching numbers. You know, so nothing to him. Like pop, pop, pop. Yeah, not not a not a flinch, not uh, hardly a glance at any of them, and it it just goes to reinforce like he's he's like he's probably done way worse. It's the thing I think he's mentally torturing the guy at this point by mm-hmm. by not only coming in and like he's gonna kill his family, like that's part of it. Before he dies, he's like, I want you to suffer like the most you ever have before this happens. But also by toying with him and making him think that maybe he won't kill his family by like, Hey, let's speak in English, keep eating your food and everything's fine. Like, yeah. And yeah. But like, yeah, but it just, it, it just reinforces that, that the idea of redemption has so far elapsed for, for this character. There's no coming back from him. No, uh, no, he has like, like zero redeemable qualities of this guy, which again is kind of what's odd about him. Cause he does seem to have this weird, like caring paternal instinct for, uh, for Macer. Which is odd because it. Like, well, it was a reflection of of his, his, of his daughter, yeah. yeah, and which was the ultimate goal with right. revenge for that. But yeah, I see, I do see what you mean there. Um, but yeah, that's why I just I just found that amazing because you you just didn't see that coming. Like you didn't realize that that was what was the end was going to be. Was there is no coming back. There is nothing good about any of this, and all of us are terrible. Yep. Yeah. No, I do like that. Um, I keep saying I like it. I I don't like that he kills the kids. I'm just saying it. It seems to, <laughs> it seems to fit the character and it seems to fit the tone of the film. And so I like that they didn't try to redeem this character in any way. Like you said, I think that it it all works really well. Um, do we have problems with this film? I mean, yeah, yeah. Not elaborate. Not many. I have some. I mean, the thing the thing for me is like the the ambiguity of the perspective is makes is what makes the film it is, but it's also what holds it back. Um, like it can't rise above its own implausibility. Uh, like it doesn't offer wider social critiques or symbolic motifs that could add depth. Like the point of the film is the state of things. It's the atmosphere is the story. <coughs> uh, the atmosphere is the film, not the story. And like, and what I mean by its implausibility is like I know it's a technicality that she has to be there, but just, just one whole meeting would be perfect the fact that we could tell her like oh yeah you need to be doing this because this could happen here that's all like minor minor things that could add to my suspension of of disbelief that were right the, 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 there were too many of those that i felt like we needed to unsettle the audience and make them not understand what's going on by doing all of these things i didn't think it needed all of them do you have anything, Jaden? Um, not a whole lot. Um, so I thought just some of the characters were kind of dry. I wasn't a big fan of Reg in the movie at all. Yeah. Um, other than that, I mean, I liked the movie a lot. So. Yeah, uh, I think I've I've talked about yeah. Reggie's probably a part of the movie I don't like just because like for me personally, I think it the tension would build and it would it would keep you you'd be kind of like trapped in this tension if he was never there yeah and i i like a film that would kind of explore that and do that to you it's like there is no outlet for this character mm-hmm. uh for macer um and then i i talked about the police officer already which you guys kind of changed my mind on but those would be like the two critiques i have on this again i think this is a, a tight tight script yeah also cigarette smoking and i think it's executed so well um it's not a it's not a movie that's gonna make you think uh, you don't have to go to bed and be like, oh, man, I'm I'm being kept awake by this film. Like, I just, there's so many thoughts going through my head. It's not like that. It doesn't need to be that. I think everything that's in this film needs to be there. And I think if you add more, it would actually d- decrease how much I like this film. So, yeah, I I, I don't have a ton of problems either. Nope. Uh, it's it's tight. It's this tight film. Yeah, it's film. minimalist film almost. Yeah. And I, yeah. I do enjoy that about it. Yeah. What do we want to rate it in uh, unlit cigarettes? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. I like that. <laughs> um it was like a 7.8 7.8 i think it's very good uh but once again it does fall it does it gets hindered just because it's like that genre style of movie like yeah. it's a very well done drug drug movie but it's still a drug movie yeah yeah i see what you mean there and yeah so i think they're just the idea that the entire film is represented in entirely in um 
one shot of that caravan. And what I mean by that is you have everything there. You have it's the state of things. It's the direct mood. It's this it's this great aesthetic. All of those things being represented in one shot is so difficult to do as a creator. Um, there are bonus points there for it. So for me, it's going to be it's going to be a six point nine. Um, nice. Yeah. So it's it's just good. Like but like I saying, like there's not extra depth there to mine. Yeah, and you were talking about how like kind of the atmosphere is what makes this film. I think a big part of that is the cinematography. Uh, Roger Deakins did the cinematography for this, oh. and he's done stuff like he's been a cinematographer forever. But some of his more recent things be like uh, 1917, Blade Runner 2049, No Country for Old Men, uh, Oh Brother Where Art Thou, which is actually kind of older. Uh, it's a good least, movie. At least for my age, I'm not like it's older to me. Was um, it '90s or was it 2000s? It was early 2000s. Yeah, yeah I thought it was early 2000s. What's interesting the about as they call them? Yeah, which is odd. I don't. I don't love that term. Uh, <laughs> well, it is what it is. <laughs> I think it. There was Josh Brolin wasn't originally going to be in this film, and Roger Deakins actually because he just finished filming that uh, um, that Everest movie. Uh, Josh Brolin did. Oh yeah. He was yeah. just exhausted from it, and yeah. Roger Deakins actually reached out to him and was like, "You have to be in this movie." Which I think is cool. Again, I think that's kind of the clout and kind of uh, prestige that Denis Villeneuve have. He's, he's like, you got to be in one of his films. Like, it's going to be good. Mm-hmm. And so apparently that's like really out of character uh, for Roger Deakins. He doesn't like reach out to people and tell them to do things so or ask them to do things. So that was just another uh, fun fact I had. Neat. Um, I think if I had to rate this, I, I give it a seven. Mm. And because I gave it a seven, I have to retroactively change my grade of Prisoners. Because I think Prisoners is better than this movie. Really? And wow, I do not think that. I do yeah. not think that. Again, I think the the uh, the performances of Prisoners, I love. And that carry that film to me. Uh, and I think because the performances are like not anything to... They're not special in this. There's right. nothing that I really like find entirely compelling by... And I don't think any of the actors are phoning it in. Like, Don't get me wrong. I just don't think that they're, there's not a lot to these characters which is fine because that's not like the point of this film is the, the, the characters and their development is not really the point. Uh, so I, I just want to say a seven for Sicario retroactively changing prisoners to 7.5 because I do like prisoners better than this. Hmm. I think I just needed more context of other Denis Villeneuve films to kind of, you haven't watched Polytechnique or in these. No, I told you we're only doing English speaking films. <laughs> <laughs> this, this was half of it was in Spanish. It's not half. It's not half. It's not half. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I I think uh, yeah, no, I think seven is is where I'm gonna leave this one. I'm I'm surprised that you think the prisoners is better than this. Yeah, I do too. Um, debate more later. Well, I think with that, uh, I'm your host Connor. I have my co-host Jaden <laughs> and former guest Calvin. Ah, uh, thanks for having me back. And we're wrapping this one up. Thank you for listening to now. This is podcasting. I love how this. Para mi gente